Every year brings change. And change is good. It helps us release the old and walk into something new. And God has something new for the church, for you, for our culture, and for your priorities. Revelation 21.5 says, Behold, I am making all things new. 2 Corinthians 5.17, The old is gone and the new is here. The series called New is all about how God is making us new and how we can help to make people and places new all around us. second week of this series that we're starting off 2021 with called New. And we're spending these weeks looking at how God wants to make us new, what God's been dreaming for our lives. So last week we talked about a new you, a new you that lasts, and how God wants to bring change in each of our lives. Today we're looking at a new church, and then we're going to be talking about a new culture and new priorities in our life, because I believe God wants to continue to change us and grow us and develop us. And as we're celebrating 10 years um, today, this past week, I was spending time just thinking about my time here at NCC. And when I first came here, this was the first lead pastor position I had. Um, I'd been in ministry probably about 14 years um, before in other places. I remembered back to my first youth ministry position. We were in this small town in Illinois, and I was a youth pastor. It was kind of my first kind of real, I guess, career job that I had gotten in. We got to this church. I filled out all of the paperwork, and about two weeks into being a youth pastor there, the lead pastor called me into his office, and I was so nervous. And he said, Aaron, I need you to sit down. I need to talk to you. And I said, okay. And he said, hey, we filled out all of your paperwork. You got denied insurance. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, you got denied insurance. And my mind is racing. I'm healthy. I'm in my early 20s. I'm like, there's nothing physically wrong with me. And he said, yeah, they denied you insurance because you're too skinny. And I'm like, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, you just, you don't weigh enough to qualify for insurance. I think we have a photo of me up here. You guys can see I look very different. This is me with my family right around that same time when I first became a youth pastor. I was skinny, you guys. And I remember sitting there in that moment. I'm a youth pastor. I'm sitting in front of my lead pastor. And I'm like, this is so embarrassing. What do I do? So I set this goal. One day, I will weigh 180 pounds, you guys. It was set there in my mind. I will do whatever it takes to weigh 180 pounds. We were in this small town, and there were some older ladies in our church who knew how to cook some food, right? So I got invited to their house a lot, and I'd eat as much as I could. I was a youth pastor. I was always eating pizza and cupcakes and cookies and whatever else we had around to feed our students. We were in a small town, so the only fast food restaurant was McDonald's. So all the time, I was taking students out to McDonald's. Five years there, and the scale didn't even budge, you guys. Couldn't budget, man. I tried everything to gain that. I was about 140 at that point or 135, and I thought, man, I am one day going to weigh 180 pounds. I dreamt that for so long, moved to Texas, still didn't even weigh anywhere near that, still was way too skinny, but I thought, I'm going to keep trying. 
And you guys, I don't want to brag, okay? But I'm a little bit of an overachiever, okay? Because this week I stepped on the scale and it said 220. Now that's a little bit beyond my goal, okay? I need to kind of bring that back a little bit, okay? But after 20 years, let me tell you, I have accomplished my dream, okay? I've way surpassed my dream. I need to actually bring it back a little bit. But I was thinking about that because this week I was thinking, you know what? God's been dreaming of this church. And when I say that, what I mean is God's been dreaming of you. His dream that he's had for more than just a couple of decades, but for a long, long time is he saw into this moment the craziness of the time that we live in, all of the struggles and the difficulties that we go through. And when he was dreaming of a church here in Mesquite, in this area, he was thinking of you. And I want to talk to you today about a church, a new church that God is dreaming of. So I want to start with this idea right here. Turn to the person next to you and you're going to say two things. First, look at him and say, you are the church. Okay. I can see if you're not doing this, so participate here with me, okay? Next, you're going to tell them this, okay? You are NCC. Okay? God's been dreaming of a church, and he's been dreaming of a people that he would use to minister in this area, to change lives, to bring, bring transformation. And that dream that he's been dreaming of, he saw you. You were the face that he saw. You were the person that he dreamed of that he wants to use because you are the church. We see this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. That name may, may sound familiar to you, Peter, because this is one of the disciples that walked with Jesus. And a few decades after Jesus has already died on the cross and been resurrected and taken back to heaven, this disciple of Jesus is writing to the church. He's writing to a group of people just like this. And let me share with you the words that he encourages them with this. This is what he tells them. You are a chosen people. You're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. And this is why, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, in case some of that wording sounds unfamiliar, or you're like, what exactly is Peter trying to say? These words apply to us a couple of thousand years later. Peter would say the same words to us, and he's telling us this, you're a chosen race. God's dream all along was that he would choose a people, he would call them out so that they could display the goodness of God. Students, so that you could display the goodness of God in your school, wherever you're at, whether that's online in a classroom, whether it's in person in a classroom, he wants you to be a display of his glory. He's chosen you. Adults, in your families, in your workplace, wherever you find yourself, in your community, you are meant to be a display of God's goodness. He's chosen you. At first, he chose the people of Israel, and his desire was that they would be a reflection of his salvation. They didn't do so great a job of that. And so as Jesus came, he said, you know what? My plan is the church. You're what I'm dreaming of, that people would see your life. I've chosen you so that they would see your life and they would know who I am. That your life would be such a powerful testimony that people could see you and say, I know Jesus is real. I know God's real because I see him inside of you. I see that reflection. You are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. Okay, have you ever seen a movie or a TV show, right, where a king or a queen walks in? 
I'm doubting any of us have actually been in the presence of a king or a queen. Maybe you have, or a prince or a princess, right? The whole air of the room changes, right? Everyone kind of comes to attention. Everyone notices. Why? Because there's a certain authority that person carries. Peter's saying, church, that's what you have in Christ. That's what you have in Christ. You go into your workplace and people should take notice. There should be a different atmosphere from when you walk into the room. People should notice you because you're carrying the authority of your heavenly father. You're carrying the authority of God in your life. Students, you're different than anyone else in that classroom because you carry and you bear the mark of your creator of God. He says you're royal. You're a priesthood. You're carrying my presence. The church is not a building that we just come and worship in. We are the church. We carry the presence of God wherever we go. We're the people of God. And this is why, so that we can take his light into a world that so desperately needs to see that you are the church. You guys, sometimes we forget this. Sometimes we fall short of God's dream. He was dreaming of us, and yet somehow we come up short of what God was actually wanting and desiring. What we see is written here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Now, I know I'm probably preaching to the choir of those of you that are here in this room, but the church has just stopped showing up. We've stopped showing up many times. According to statistics over the past nine months, when we had to kind of isolate and quarantine and all of that because of COVID, over the past nine months, over one quarter of the church just stopped coming. They stopped not even watching online. So it's not like, hey, from my home, I've got, like, they just stopped being a part of this community of faith altogether. And you guys, we can't do that. You're what God was dreaming of. God needs you in this. You're his desire to carry his presence, to carry his goodness, to carry his light into the world. You have to be a part of this community of faith because you're what God was dreaming of to change Mesquite and the surrounding area and all that God is wanting to do. I was thinking about this yesterday, okay? I know this may hurt some of you guys that are Cowboys fans, but my team is still in the playoffs, okay? Sorry about that. Let me just make that disclaimer. Sorry about that, okay? So it's yesterday afternoon, and I'm watching the playoff game, and I get nervous during games. You can ask my kids. Like, I'm usually walking around, like, pacing back and forth. I've got my nachos and my chips and everything spread out, my snack food there, and I am so pumped. And, and Sarah... She thought this would be lucky, so she put on our jersey, right? So she's got this on, and she's like, maybe this will help us get the win. My good friend Wayne, one of our spiritual directors, got this for me. So we've got the jersey on, we've got the gear, and we're sitting there, and we're yelling for our team. And it's the first two quarters, and everything's going great, right? Like, we're cheering them on, we're screaming for them, even though I'm nervous, like, I'm so excited. And then it gets to the third quarter, and the Rams start to come back. And their QB starts to march down the field. And all of a sudden, our offense isn't doing anything. And we just come in and then go right back out like nothing's happening. And I'm still screaming for my team, but now I'm screaming something different, right? I'm yelling something different at the TV now. Like, come on, what's going on? Like, we got to get back in this game. I'm yelling for them, and I'm so nervous in that moment because we have been in this playoff situation before where it looked like we had the win. And then in that fourth quarter, we lost it. And I'm like, I don't want that to happen again. But I realize in that moment, I'm nervous, but there's nothing I can do, right? Like I can yell at the TV, but that's about as best as I can do because I'm not actually Aaron Rodgers. I'm not Aaron Jones. I'm not on the field there. I'm not Devontae Adams or any of those guys. I'm not on the field playing. I'm just a spectator. And that's how some of us are showing up to church. And that was never God's dream for your life. 
this is not a spectator sport. This is not an organization and you are not a ticket holder just because you give a little bit of money in the offering. You're meant to be in the game, church. You're what God was dreaming of. You're what God was desiring. He wants you active on the field, participating, being a part of what he wants to do in the world. That's God's desire. That's God's dream. You are a part of it. You're a part of it. You're a part of the church that God was dreaming of. And if there has ever been a time in history where the world needs you, it's right now. You're what God was dreaming of because the world desperately needs the church right now. Just look around this room and look how beautiful this is. Go ahead and do that. I know if you're watching online, maybe you can't do that, but just picture the people that you know that are in this room. This is what the world needs to see. Because let's be honest, everywhere else outside of this room, almost in every other place, we're divided. Like we're against each other. And we separate from each other because of all of these different reasons. But in this room, in this community of faith, in this church that God was dreaming of that you're a part of, we're not divided, we're connected together. And we're there for one another. That means you can call up and say, hey, I'm sick, and you better know that people in this church are gonna be praying for you. Or we're gonna show up and we're gonna bring groceries or we're gonna, we're gonna um, be there for you. We're gonna encourage one another. So when your faith is struggling, someone else over here says, hey, I'm here for you. I wanna lift you up. I wanna build you up. I'm in this. And we're not connected just because we all look the same. You can look around this room and we don't all look the same. And we don't all come from the same cultures or the background. And I'm not gonna do it, please don't. But if we were to find out what political party we'd have all over the place in this room, right? We're not connected because of any of that. We're connected because we're the church. And the world desperately needs the church right now. The world needs you to show up in the game. The world needs you to be the light of Jesus Christ that Peter is talking about. The world needs you to be the chosen people of God that he has called us to be, that we would display his light. You are the church. You're what God has been dreaming about this whole time. And the world desperately needs you to be in this. And so what am I challenging you to do? Church, don't come in this room. Don't just watch online and just receive, but start to give. Use your talents. Use what God has placed inside of you. Use the smile on your face to welcome people. Use your heart for kids and students to serve in new kids and in NYC. Use the gifts that God has given you. If he's given you those up here on the stage or to serve on a Sunday morning, use what God has placed in your life to minister to others. This is not all about you. This is about us. We are the church. We're a part of this body that God has called us to. Stop just coming and observing. Be a part of what God has called us to do. God has blessed you financially. Give into the vision that God has called us to be a part of. Give generously. Give above and beyond what you think you can do because God has blessed you in so many different ways. Be a part of the vision of reaching out into the community of changing the world around us, of investing in the vision of seeing people's lives change and salvation happen right here in our church and in the surrounding community. You need to be a part of this step into what God is doing because you are the church. And I wanna challenge you, be a part of that. God's also dreaming of a church with a purpose. Go and make disciples. 
God's dreaming of a church with a purpose. Go and make disciples. That's what God's calling you to do. That's what God's been wanting all along. You look in the Old Testament in so many different passages. God's talking about this in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. He's talking about when Jesus comes and listen to some of this wording. Daniel's like, I had a vision. So I'm asleep at night and I'm dreaming and I see this and behold, the clouds of heaven were there and the son of man, that's Jesus. And he came like the ancient of days and present before him was given all of the dominions and the glories and the kingdom. Listen to this. All the peoples, nations, and languages would serve him and his dominion is everlasting dominion. It shall not pass away and his kingdom shall not be destroyed. See, you're a part of what God is dreaming of, of a people that would display his glory, display his goodness, display his kingdom to the world around us. You're what God wants to do. You're his plan, right? To bring his salvation and his redemption. When you come into this place, we talk about this often. The vision of NCC is making people and places new. You're a part of that. You have a purpose, you have a calling, you have a destiny that God wants over your life. And it's that we would take over the world, not in a political fashion, but from the heart and from redeeming and restoring what's been broken inside of mankind. When I was thinking about this, I thought to being back in high school, and I've recently seen it's come back on TV. Did anyone watch, or maybe you had kids, did the Animaniacs growing up? Okay, I got a few of you guys out there, okay? In case you're wondering, it just came back on Hulu, okay? And in the Animaniacs, in case you've never seen it, there's another cartoon called Pinky and the Brain, okay? Pinky and the Brain. You guys may know that, okay, right? I'm not gonna sing that for you. Pinky's the guy that's not that smart, and obviously the brain is the genius. They're two lab rats. Every single episode, Pinky asks the brain, What are we going to do tonight, Brain? And Brain, in this kind of devious voice, says the same thing we do every night, Pinky. We're going to try to take over the world, okay? And that's what I thought of. That's God's desire for us is not through some kind of political domination, but in the hearts and the lives of people that we would bring God's transformation to every single person in the world. That's why he says in Peter's God's desire is that No one would perish, but that every single person would come to redemption. That's God's dream, is that we as the church, we would keep reaching. We would keep praying. We would keep sharing the love of God, sharing the compassion of God. We would keep serving and sacrificing and giving of our own lives so that others could be changed. You are a church with a purpose. God has called you, and he's dreaming of a purpose over your life. Go and make disciples, church. That's his dream. That's why some of Jesus' last words in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, Jesus came to them and he said this, all authority in heaven has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always till the end of the age. If you've been walking through life saying, what is my purpose? Why am I here? There's got to be more than just this paycheck I'm getting for my job or just going from day to day. I am here to tell you this is your purpose. Go and make disciples. 
Allow God to change and to transform you and then allow that to overflow and to spill out of your life and to begin to affect others and family members that are broken and students, friends and classmates that are hurting. Your life is meant to be a reflection of Jesus so their life is impacted. You have a purpose, you have a calling. God has a desire for your life. He's been dreaming of a church with a purpose that will do what he's commanded us to do. That's why in Acts chapter one, verse eight, it says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He's saying this, not only do you have purpose, but you have power. I've called you and I've equipped you to go out and to change the world, to be my witness that wherever you walk, you have the spirit of God living inside of you to impact others and to change others and to bring transformation to others. That's what God has called you to do. That's the kind of church Jesus is dreaming of. Are you doing that church? Are you living with the purpose? Is this thing just about one hour on a Sunday morning where I come and we sing some songs and I feel pretty good about myself and Pastor Aaron speaks and and I'm challenged a little bit, but then I go out and I forget about all of that. Or every day, are you living with that purpose? Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. That's why we said this last year and we're gonna continue to say it by 2025, we will make 1,000 disciples across three NCC campuses. God has given us a purpose and he's given us a calling and that means everyone, that means everyone in this room, everyone that's listening online, if you're a part of NCC, you're, you've been given that purpose and that calling. You are the church that God is dreaming of. Go and make disciples. When we were launching all of this, this disciple-making initiative here at NCC, I was reading book after book and watching video after video, and I remember thinking, God, this seems so difficult. Like, I'm a pastor, and this seems hard to do. Like, how do I do this? And I remember reading the story of this one young individual in Asia Pacific. He was in a country that was controlled by another religion, and so it was very hostile to the message of Jesus and to the Bible and to the gospel. And he's out and he gets this group of people together and he's looking around the room and he got business owner, you got a lawyer, you got a doctor. He's like, I got some sharp people in the room. And in the back, there was a farmer. And he said, I spent about 20 minutes kind of vision casting like, We got to go and make disciples. This is what Jesus did. He's like, I took him to Matthew chapter 28 there. Like we talked through that scripture. And then I looked at him and said, this week, go and make one disciple. And he's like, we're going to meet back here next week. So he said, everyone leaves the room. And I'm thinking, I know who's actually going to come back and do this. And so he come back the next week and he's talking to all of them. And the farmer's the only one that raised his hand when he said, hey, who's made a disciple? And he said, hey, I haven't made one disciple. I've actually made 12. I figured that's what Jesus did, so that's what I shot for. He said, I've made 12 disciples. I just did what you told us to do. Like, so whatever you did, that's what I, I did. And so he's like, okay. And so he keeps meeting with this guy. No one else really, really got this, but for some reason it, it rung true with this guy. And then it wasn't enough in his own village, so he started going to other villages. Over the course of about five years, there were over 10,000 converts to Christianity and over hundreds of churches that were planted by this one farmer. It doesn't take a lot, you guys. You don't have to have a Bible education. 
You don't have to have gone to college. You just have to do what Jesus said, live with that purpose. Go and make disciples, spread his light, his love, his teachings, what he's done in your life, pass it on to someone else. You are the church that he's been dreaming of. You're what he's been desiring to go and to share this with others. This is what God has called us to do. And so we're gonna do this again this year, okay? So just in case you're wondering, last year we said, hey, we're gonna be a disciple-making church. And we started off with this. 75 of you said, I'll be the guinea pig, okay? Don't know what it's gonna look like, but let me try this thing out and see how it goes. And then what we didn't know is in March, COVID would strike, right? And so then we had to go online and we couldn't meet as much, but we learned a lot of things. And so this next month, and we're gonna begin to talk about it over the next few weeks and over this next month is we're gonna kind of launch the first round after this beta of saying, God, we're gonna be a disciple-making church. COVID's not gonna stop us, okay? Craziness in the world's not gonna stop us. Nothing is gonna keep us from doing the vision that you have called us to do, church. And so we've said that making disciples happens in relationship. So you have two challenges. It's either to be a disciple-maker or to be discipled, okay? And this time, we're not partnering people together. It's who do you have relationship within the church, okay? Oh, man, I know that person, and I love the way they worship, or I've heard them pray. Man, I see their relationship with God. I want to grow. I want what they have. We'll go to that person and begin to talk to them about, hey, would you be willing to disciple me, okay? Or maybe you feel mature in your walk with God. You've walked a ways, and you see someone else. Go to them. Okay, don't wait for them to come to you. Go to them and say, hey, I want to help you grow. Would you be willing to allow me to disciple you and to grow you and to mature you? And we're going to come alongside of you as a church and resource you. There may be those of you that are like, well, I tried that last year and it didn't really work out. Try again. Okay, we're not giving up, you guys. We're not going to stop. We're not going to quit on this goal that God has given us. We are going to be a disciple-making church. That's what God has called us to do. And so that's the challenge we have. That's the church that Jesus is dreaming of. Let me give you one last thing. God's dreaming of a church that is moving forward. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, this is what it says. And I'm going to read from the message translation. So this may be different from the translation that you have or that we typically read together from. So this is what it says. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, that the church suddenly realized that God is living and he's a personal presence. He's not a chiseled piece of stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. All of the laws, all of the religious kind of jargon and all of those religious things, it's gone because God's living presence is there and we are free of it. There's nothing between us and God. Our faces shine with the brightness of his face. So listen to this. So we are transfigured much like Jesus was the Messiah. Our lives become gradually brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. What is that saying? It's that every day you're changed to be closer and closer like Jesus. Every day your life reflects his more and more. Every day you're growing. Every day as a church and every week as we come together and every month as we're moving forward, we're looking different because God has changed us and he's growing us and he's developing us. We do not wanna be a church that is stuck. We don't wanna be a church that is stagnant. 
We don't want to be a church that is getting comfortable and we're like, well, this seems kind of good where we're at right now. It seems okay. Everything seems to be going good. No, we want to be the church God is dreaming of, a church that is moving forward. That's what God talks about. That's God's desire to keep growing, to keep changing, to keep moving and impacting others. That's the kind of church that God wants us to be. Many of you guys know John Jones. Um, He's part of our teaching team. And so as we get together and we talk about messages, he's a part of that. And he also serves on our worship team. And um, it was a couple of years ago, we were preaching a message, I think about the church. And he said, Aaron, have you ever heard of the philosophy question about a ship of thesis? And I was like, I've kind of heard about it, but, but refresh my memory, a ship of thesis. I don't know if you guys have taken a philosophy class, but it's from Greek mythology, and it's this idea that the ship of thesis was taken out year after year, month after month, decade after decade. And pretty soon the ship started to get worn down. And there were old planks that were taken out, new planks that were put in. And after the course of a couple of decades, there was no original planks that were on the boat that it started with. And the philosophy question is, is that still the ship of thesis? Is it still the same boat? Is it a new boat? And philosophers will wrestle for hours and years and going back and forth debating. It's a different boat. It's the same boat. And you know what I say? I say yes to both. Just the easy answer, yes to both. And I think about that with the church is, man, we've had some amazing leaders, some amazing people that God has brought over the past 10 years We've sent some of them out to be pastors other places and to minister in youth group other places and to do missions works um, in different parts of the world. Like God's done a lot. Board members that have moved away that have led our church for some time. And, and we're not exactly the same church that we were 10 years ago. And that's okay because we're a church that's moving forward. But I wanna tell you, we don't wanna be the church that we were a month ago or two years ago. We wanna still be growing. We wanna reach new people. There are family members and friends that you have been praying for. There are people that you rub shoulders with every day that need what you have inside of you, that need Jesus in their life, and you're the one that's gonna bring it to them. In this room, I believe this, that there are future leaders of the church in this room. There are people that God is calling for you to step up and to help others grow and to be disciple makers and to coach people and to lead teams here at NCC. We should not be the same church we were. We're gonna be a church that moves forward. I believe that. God's calling us to that. Church, let's be the people that God has been dreaming of. You are the church. You're what God has been desiring for this moment, for this time to bring about a change. And I wanna pray for us. I'm gonna ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes right now. Let's just take a moment. Maybe you're here this morning and you know in your heart, you're saying, you know what? I, I don't have that relationship that you're talking about, Aaron. I'm not part of this community of faith. A matter of fact, I don't even feel that close to God. The beauty of the gospel is that he invites us in. He invites us in. And even though we're broken and even though we don't have it all together, he is the one that restores us and heals us. And the Bible's very clear that we've all missed the mark. We all at some point, we've messed up, we've sinned and we need God's forgiveness. We need to be brought back into that relationship. That's why Jesus came. That's why he gave his life. He has a desire for you. He has a purpose and a calling for your life. But the first step is surrendering to him. 
saying, God, you can have my life. All of its brokenness, all of its messed up parts, God, you can have every part of me. I'm not going to hold it back anymore. I'm going to give it to you. I want to be a part of what you're doing in the world. That's God's desire. And maybe you're in this room or maybe you're watching online and you sense that right now. I don't have a relationship with God, but I want one. Maybe you've even been in church a lot, but you would say, hey, I'm not walking with God right now. And if that's you, I want to lead us in a prayer. And I'm going to ask everyone in the room to say this out loud because we don't want anyone saying this alone. If you're watching this at home, say this with us. Let's pray together. Jesus, I come to you and I know that I've sinned. I need you in my life. So I ask for your forgiveness. Take away my sins and give me a brand new start. Be the savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Let me be a part of your church. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Church, can we just put our hands together and celebrate for anyone who may have prayed that? And if you're in this room or if you're online and you prayed that, I believe this, that God is doing something new in your life, that a change has happened, a transformation has happened. You're not the same person that you were even just moments ago. God wants to do something inside of you. And we are so excited for that, for that decision that you've made. Thank you.